I want to share a little bit about uh, stewardship and uh, in, uh, in, in this session um, because we're not called to own anything, but we're called to be stewards uh, of the mysteries of God. And you're being stewards wherever God has called you to be. And uh, I want to share a little bit about stewardship because it's important for us to to be connected um, to the life flow of the Spirit of God on our lives. You know, as Gary was sharing in the first session about uh, accepting things as the status quo um, and, and when we have the answer and we know better, amen, if we know better, then we have to do better. Uh, and so that's what God calls us as stewards is to use the, the knowledge, the understanding, um, and the influence that we have for the, for the purpose of advancing the kingdom. Uh, that should be always our purpose and our mandate, and I know that is your mandate and your purpose. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, it says, This, then, is how you ought to regard us, as the Apostle Paul was writing, as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Verse number 2 says, Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove to be faithful. Uh, God doesn't call us to be successful. He calls us to be faithful. And I think if we buy into a lot of the success models uh, that are, are put before us in different kinds of conferences and books and, and, and things that we read and we get focused on becoming a successful church or a successful ministry uh, and we want to employ all of these things to be a success, we can lose sight of our real calling, which is to steward the mysteries of the kingdom of God and to be faithful. To be faithful means to be devoted. It means to be committed. Uh, it means to uh, not allow any idols or anything to come in to, uh, to, to pervert the call of God on our lives or to change it uh, in any way, but to continue to stand in fidelity to the call of God. And so God has called you. He's appointed you. You are who you are by the grace of God. Amen. That's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, I am that I am by the grace of God. And so it is the grace of God. It's his favor. It is his mercy. It is his goodness and his kindness uh, that qualifies us to, to stand in the place that he's called us to stand in. Uh, in Matthew 24, verse 14, the Word of God says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. This is our mission, this is our purpose, this is our call, this is our area of stewardship. Amen. So as we steward the Word of God and the call of God in the places that we're standing, God will in increase our influence to all the places that He has ordained for us. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says that we're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that He ordained that we would walk in before the foundation of the world. And so as we are faithful to do the next thing that the Holy Spirit tells us, then it's tied to a chain of miracles that God will unfold for all the places for the utterance of the gospel through us to go. Uh, and there are places that your voice will go that you will be absolutely surprised uh, that God will use you in that way. Uh, but 
when we're faithful and we stay in the realm of influence in the place that God has called us to serve and allow him to open doors where he wants to uh, and to, to cause our influence to be felt where he wants it to, we will look back because destiny unfolds as you walk along. So you don't sit there and say, I'm going to wait here until I get destiny in my spirit. And when I get destiny in my spirit, then I'm going to start moving. Well, you might be sitting there for a while. Amen. Because destiny finds you on the way to obedience and faithfulness. Amen. And so a lot of times it was like, I'm waiting for my destiny. Hallelujah. Well, <laughs> just be a, be a faithful steward. <laughs> be a faithful servant where you are, and then you will look back and see what God has done, and it will, it will amaze you. <laughs> I remember a few years ago, and I didn't share this with many people, uh, but the Lord put in my heart, he said, I want you to be a part of helping to plant a thousand churches. Okay, I said, well, Lord, I'm working for Teen Challenge, you know. And we don't plant churches necessarily in Teen Challenge. We, we've undergird and resourced the church. But the Lord has been so faithful that, that he connected me with some ministries as I've been faithful to go share at Teen Challenges around the world uh, that we've been able to encourage some pastors who started a Bible school in Kenya, and they've already planted over 150 churches, Hallelujah, that we've been working with over the last 15 years. Amen. And we've seen churches planted in Romania and Slovenia and other parts of the world. And so when God speaks, you have to get some wisdom on what he said, you know, because you can say, well, okay, well, I'm going to go. I'm going to quit my job now and go be a church planner. No, no, no. You be a faithful steward to what God is putting your, put before you, and you put your hand to the plow, and then God is the one who opens up what he wants to do. And if you await long enough, he'll give you wisdom, uh, and he'll give you the, the, the strategy on how to obey what he says. Many times what we do when we hear a word from God, we start out on our own, and we, we start using our own imagination and our own uh, unrenewed mindset sometimes, <laughs> to go out to obey God. That's why we, we have to continually have our mind renewed with the word of God. Don't be conformed to this world because there are some ways that things are done in the world. Uh, as, and it really, as I was thinking about this when Gary was sharing this morning, that sometimes those, the worldly order of things causes us to get out of the flow of the Holy Spirit movement because we hear uh, how things are done in the world that with the best practices. You hear that word, best practices. And, and I'm not against best practices. We always want to do things in a spirit of excellence. We always want to move things forward. One of the things that we do here at Teen Challenge is I'm always encouraging our team, let's look at what we're doing and see how we can do better with intakes and how we can do better with all the things that we do in the systems of what we call Teen Challenge. Uh, but at the same time, we have to continue to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and allow him to impact us uh, with kingdom thinking so that our minds are in alignment with the flow of the word of God and the wisdom of God because Jesus has been made unto us wisdom, hallelujah, and sanctification. And so when we listen to him, uh, it, it will cause, as Gary was saying, so many people, that the word that I wrote down when he said it was many people are living beneath their inheritance. They're living a very kind of ordinary Christian existence, uh, and they're living beneath their inheritance. We are sons and daughters of the king. Hallelujah. 
We are sons and daughters of the king, and he's called us into the kingdom. Uh, and there's a kingdom mandate, a kingdom call, a kingdom language uh, that comes. Uh, and when Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom, it really did upset all of the order of the religious system and society that he came into. So he came into all of that uh, as a change agent. And as the people of God, as those who've been called to steward the mysteries of, of the gospel, we have to have a change agent mentality and approach to what we do. Otherwise, we will start using worldly principles to try to do the, the things of the kingdom of God. And they will always fall short, and they won't produce the fullness of the fruitfulness that the Lord has for us. And so I encourage you to continually allow your mind to be uh, transformed and renewed by the Word of God and by the things that Jesus says, amen, and by the full counsel of the, of the Word of God. The Apostle Paul says, I taught you the full counsel of God's Word. And I think we don't get the full counsel of God's Word if we just stick to our own pet theologies, our own pet doctrines that we are comfortable with, uh, that we don't have to put any study into it, we don't have to put any time into it, we just kind of fall out of the bed and just do it because we, we, we know that thing. Uh, but if we're going to have the full counsel of God's Word, then it will cause us to press into searching the Scriptures. It will cause us to spend time in prayer. It will cause us to spend time not just telling God what we want to tell Him, but also listening in prayer so that the Holy Spirit can put divine order in our own spirit, in our own thinking. And when we have divine order in our thinking, when we have divine order in our spirit, then when we walk about the earth, we don't have to walk like we on some cloud. You, you're being, I call it being naturally supernatural, that you will, you will naturally walk in a supernatural flow and abundance of God's grace because your mind has been renewed and it's caused your steps to change. Uh, are you following me? Amen. You know, so I, I get a little leery with folks that, you know, are walking two feet off the ground because, hey, we're down here in this earth. We're, 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 we're in this world, but we're not of this world. Okay, so we can walk in this world, but we're not of the world. Jesus said, I only go where my Father tells me to go. I only say what my Father tells me to say, and I only do what my Father tells me to do. That's living in a total dependent relationship with the Holy Spirit, continually speaking to Him and allowing Him to lead and guide us into those divine connection points that He has for us that He's already set up. So be faithful stewards of the mysteries of the Lord. If you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter uh, 22, and I want to read a, a few verses about a steward that was not faithful um, and a steward that took his place that was faithful, that really is a type uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you following me? Amen. Hallelujah. In verse number 15 of Isaiah chapter 22, uh, Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, he had a, a steward named Shebna. It says, Thus says the Lord God of hosts, Go proceed to this steward, to Shebna, who is over the house, and say, What have you here, and whom have you here, that you have hewn a sepulcher here, as he hews himself a sepulcher 
on high, who carves a tomb for himself in a rock. Indeed, the Lord will throw you away violently, O mighty man, and will surely seize you. He would surely turn violently and, and toss you like a ball into a large country. There you should die, and there your char glorious chariots shall be the shame of your master's house. So I will drive you out of your office, and from your position, he will pull you down. Then it shall be in that day that I will call my servant Eliakim, uh, the son of Hilkiah, and I will clothe him with your robe and strengthen him with your belt. I will commit your responsibility into his hand. He shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. The key of the house of David I will lay on his shoulder, so he shall open and no one shall shut, and he shall shut and no one shall open. I will fasten him as a peg in a secure place, and he will become a glorious throne to his father's house. They will hang on him all the glory of his father's house, the offspring and the posterity, all vessels of small quantity from the cups to all the pictures. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, the peg that is fastened in the secure place will be removed and will be cut down and fall, and the burden that was on it, it will be cut off for the Lord has spoken. Sounds like some really bad stuff, huh? <laughs> it's like, why are you reading that up in here? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> well, Shebna, he, he had a high and honorable office as one of the chief stewards of Hezekiah's, and he was also was a scribe. And he used the prestige of his office to kind of do his own thing. And he had actually had made this ornate tomb that he was, said he was going to be buried in where the prophecy had already come that God was going to drive the children of Israel into exile. And he's like, no, I'm not going into exile. I'm not going anywhere. So he was totally disregarding the prophetic voice and the word of God. Instead of preparing for what God said was coming, he began to use his position of stewardship to kind of plan his own way, and to chart his own course. God gives us stewardship not for our purpose, not for our gain, but for the advancement of his kingdom. And, and Shebna, had, he didn't understand why God had placed him in such an important position, and he began to use that position of influence for himself. It's always important for us to remember that it's only the grace of God that causes us to stand where we stand. Amen. That we're not there because we uh, are the best. We're the one that was chosen. Amen. Uh, and thank God that he chose us in himself before the foundation of the world to do amazing things for him. But many times in our stewardship, if we're not careful, we can become uh, settled and, and, and lazy. Uh, and when God is speaking to us to go in one direction, we can find ourselves resisting the will of God uh, and the move of God, and we're not moving in step with him. Uh, he wants us to step with him. The footsteps of the righteous are ordered by God. The Holy Spirit leads and guides our steps. And when we follow him, we'll be able to fulfill the fullness of God's purpose. And so as a result of Shebna's um, lack of uh, fidelity to his stewardship, his stewardship was taken away from him. And everything and everybody that was attached to him as a peg was taken away also. It's important for us to know that there are people who are looking at your leadership, 
They're following your example, not just what you teach, but what you do. Uh, and part of our stewardship is to make sure that we're leading people to a place that they see Jesus, that they see the fullness of the kingdom, that they see the advancement of the kingdom and not the advancement of our vision. Uh, are you following me? See, if we have a vision that comes from God, it's God's vision, and God is the one who obligates himself to resource and provide for that vision to come, come about. But what Shebna did is he started having his own vision that was of a private nature, a private interpretation, if you will. Uh, and he wanted to stay in that place where God called him to serve, but he also wanted to do his own thing. It's always important that we stay on God's agenda, that we stay on God's timetable, and that we keep leaning in to listen. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And so when we listen to him, there might be something that we envision to do, and it might not be the right time. It might not be the right place. It not, might not be with the right people that that thing was to come about. And if we start superimposing and forcing a vision onto a people, onto a place that God has not ordained, then we're not being good stewards where God has placed us. Does that make sense? So we have to continually listen to God and allow God to give us his vision in the moment for what he's doing so that we don't get off track. And so Shebna began to kind of create his own paradigm. He began to create his own way of doing things. And, and so uh, God came along and said, I'm going to replace you. Uh, and he replaced him with a servant named Eli Eliakim. Um, and there's some wonderful things said about him that really, uh, to me, talks about who the Lord Jesus Christ is, um, is that he would have the key of the house of David, and I will lay on his shoulder so that he will open and no one will shut, and he will shut and no one will open. Um, and, and, and talk about being fastened as a peg in a secure place. Hallelujah. Jesus, if we are attached to Jesus... We are attached to a peg that is in a sure place. See, back in those days, they didn't have closets and places for you to put your belongings. There was like a peg that was along the wall, and you hung your jackets, and everything was hung on a peg. Uh, and if it was not tied into something that was solid, the pegs could break and could fall down and everything that was connected to it. But see, we are connected to a peg in a sure place when we are connected to the Lord Jesus Christ, hallelujah, not just an idea of who he is, but we really are in fellowship with him. We're walking in him. We're walking in him because in him we live and move and have our very being. And from that place, he's able to pour his glory, his power, his strength, and his anointing through our lives. And so uh, he was saying of Eliakim that this is going to be a peg that's going to be in a sure place. Hallelujah. And so as stewards of the mysteries of God, we need to make sure that we're connected to Jesus, that we're connected to uh, an active, ongoing relationship with him, that we are connected to fellowship with the Holy Spirit, that we're speaking to the Holy Spirit, and we are allowing the Holy Spirit to, to, to guide our heart, to guide the reins of our heart and our mind so that we're walking in step with him. Those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are indeed the sons of God. Uh, and so we have to be connected to that peg in a sure place. 
Hallelujah. It says that he would be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and Judea. Talk, talking about Eliakim. Um, he might not have been well known here, but he had a reputation that God was able to embrace. In Luke chapter 10, it says, Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Nobody on the earth may really know who you are. Hallelujah. But when you are born again and you've been enlisted as a steward and as a servant in the kingdom of God, your names are written in heaven and you have an authority to walk in to see the advancement of God's kingdom in the earth. Amen. Sometimes we can feel very insignificant and we can feel small in the, in the midst of, you know, there's a lot of mega churches and a lot of big ministries and things that are going on around the world. And sometimes you may feel uh, as you go into the place that you're serving that, that you're in a small place. But I want you to know it is no small thing to walk as a servant of Almighty God. It is no small thing, hallelujah, to have the power of God resting on your life. It is no small thing, hallelujah, to be one who is able to bind and to loose, hallelujah. Jesus told them in Luke 10, he said, don't rejoice that demons are subject to you, uh, but, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven, for God has given you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. Hallelujah. And so we have this authority. If we are walking in our stewardship properly uh, after the kind of stewardship that Eliakim walked in, then we will have the key uh, of, of the Lord. Jesus, he mentioned in, in Matthew chapter 16 when he told Peter when he got that revelation of who the Christ was, he says, uh, you didn't get that from man, but that was, came to you from my Father. Amen. In other words, we need to have continual revelation coming from the Father on our identity, on who we are, on where we're supposed to be, on what we're supposed to say, on who we're supposed to be with, and what we're supposed to do. Amen. We need to have that revelation that comes from the Father, uh, and he's given us the keys, hallelujah, to bind and to loose. Amen. You have authority in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. When you begin to speak the word of God with boldness, as, as uh, Pastor Gary was encouraging us earlier, that you have this boldness, this bravery, this confidence that comes from God, and you begin to declare uh, the word of God, you are literally standing up, and you are pushing back darkness, and you're causing the strategies of the enemy to come to naught so that the power and the glory and the wisdom and the kingdom of God can continue to advance. Amen. How is God's kingdom advanced in the earth? It's advanced through the people of God who are walking in surrender and obedience to the Holy Spirit and doing what the Holy Spirit says, that we see this manifestation of God's kingdom. Now, we know that when Jesus comes, there's going to be another manifestation when all the power and authority of Jesus will be manifest in the earth. But until he comes, the way that the kingdom is advanced is through us walking in kingdom authority. And walking in obedience to what God has called us to do. And when you own assignment with him and you are stationed where God has appointed you to be, there will be an authority for that church, for that ministry, for that region, uh, and for that city that you're placed in. You have authority. You are part of the watchman on the wall for the place where God has put you. Amen. 
And what the enemy does is he blinds the mind. It says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that he comes to blind the mind of those to keep them from coming to the knowledge of the truth. That's not just for people that are coming into salvation, but it's for the stewards of God that sometimes he tries to blind our mind uh, so that we are not uh, aware of who we are in the spirit. And so we allow this this order that Gary was talking about earlier to continue to stay in our church, to continue to stay in our families, to con continue to stay in our communities and our cities because we're not walking in the authority that God has given us. Hallelujah. But when we walk in that authority, then we're able to speak the word of God with confidence and with boldness. Hallelujah. I shared with you about my daughter yesterday and when she was concerned about whether little Michael was going to come home. I said, honey, I believe Michael is coming home, but I'm going to pray and get a word from God. Hello. Hello. God will speak to you. And so I prayed, and the Lord said, he's going to be fine. He's coming home. And I said, I'm going to repeat to you what I heard the Spirit of God say to me, honey. He's coming home. She said, well, Dad, how can you be sure? I said, you're going to have to just take God on this one because I can't tell. I, I don't know what all is going to happen in that NICU unit over the next three months. But I said, God said he's coming home. Then she said, okay, Dad, I'm going to believe. We have to be connected to a sure peg, the Lord Jesus Christ and revelation that comes from him. He's not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent, but he keeps his word and his promises to a thousand generations. And when the Lord spoke that word to me, even though we had to walk out all these months of going back and forth and getting different reports, I was confident. My, my wife asked me one day, she said, how can you just sleep so well? I said, well, I'm sleeping well because I know God's already spoken and he's going to be home. He's home now. I love to hear him cry. <laughs> I love to hear his little cry. He's strong. He's, he's small but mighty. And later on, that's the word that the Lord gave my wife that he said, she, he said, God spoke to me and said, he's small, but he's going to be mighty for God. And so we would go to the hospital and we would sing small but mighty. And so every time we went there, the nurses, like my wife and I coming because we would sing, they go, oh, here come the singing grandparents. <laughs> And so everybody in the NICU unit just loved to hear things. Sing us another song. We sang, yes, Jesus loves me. This I know. The Bible tells me so. And we were saying and singing. And so every time we came in, they go, here come the singing grandparents. Sing us another song. And so we sang and brought the glory of God into that NICU unit and ministered to some of the other little babies in there. And little Michael is at home now. But when God gives you a word and you're connected to a peg that is in a sure place, hallelujah, then you have a confidence that not based on who you are and, you know, oh, I'm, all, I'm full of faith. and I'm, No, 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 I'm, I'm trusting Jesus. Hello, y'all better help me up in here. <laughs> we trust in Jesus, amen. <laughs> and when the Lord has spoken and you got a word, I think one of the greatest things that we need in our stewardship is to learn how to hear the voice of God. Because if we don't learn how to hear the voice of God, then we are, we're, we're hesitant, we're tentative 
in our leadership. But when we know that we know that we know that God has spoken, it gives us the ability to rise up in that bravery and that courage and to really begin to declare with authority what God has said. You know, when Jesus taught, he taught as a man with authority. Uh, and so we're to teach with authority. We're to minister with authority. That authority comes from heaven. It doesn't come uh, from ourselves. You know, we can kind of work ourselves up and we can put a brave face on and make ourselves sound authoritative. Amen. <laughs> but it's not that kind of thing. It's an authority that comes from knowing that what God has spoken, and it can be a quiet authority, and it doesn't have to be a loud authority. Amen. You know, if you're a loud person like I am, then, you know, you might shout, glory to God. And, but if you're quiet, you're, you might say, well, God has spoken and this is the way it will be. And that, that's just as anointed and it's just as powerful because the authority for those words didn't come from yourself, but it came from revelation that came from the Holy Spirit. We need to live in revelation. Amen. We got a lot of information. You know, I, I even hesitated to even speak at the conference. I was going to give Gary all the sessions. I'm like, I don't need any more information. But what we need is we need revelation. And I know that there's a revelatory spirit that comes when, he's, when he ministers. We need revelation because there's a whole lot of you out here that can preach a whole lot better than I can. And so it's not about the preaching ability and, and the preaching style. It's about do you know him and are you connected to a peg that is in a sure place? That when God opens a door, it's open. When God shuts a door, it's shut. Hallelujah. And we can bind and we can loose in the name of Jesus and we can see the authority of heaven come to our families, come to our church, come to our city, come to our nation, come to this world. This is why we're called his ambassadors. He's given us ambassadorial authority so that we can go throughout this earth and we can declare God's mind, God's will and purpose in the earth. Hallelujah. That's who he's called us to be. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In this Eliakim, this servant uh, that Isaiah speaks of in chapter 22, which I believe is a type for Jesus, it says the key of the house of David will lay on his shoulder and he will have authority uh, to open and to shut as God's representative. I want you to know that as God's representative, as his steward in your area, you have the ability to open and to shut in the name of Jesus and, and speak that with authority and watch God begin to move in the gifts and callings that he has given to you. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable, Romans 11. And so when God has called you and placed you there, understand and know that he placed you there for the purpose of doing kingdom work. Don't be afraid. That's what Paul told Timothy. He says, Timothy, stir up the gift that you've received through the laying on of hands of, pre of the presbytery. And, and God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And I want you to know that in your stewardship, God has given you power. He's given you authority, and he's given you a sound mind so that you, are not, you won't be distracted by all the stuff that people tell you what real success looks like. Real success looks like a steward obeying God and not creating their own fantasy world. Amen. You know, Shebna didn't get that. He was trying to create his own, his own thing. But a real steward knows that he works for someone else, that you're a person that is under authority. You know, I like that about David. David was a person who was under authority. He was under the authority of his dad, Jesse. 
He was under the authority of King Saul, and he was under the authority of God when he went out there before that giant. And he understood that he, when he went up to the front lines, he went up there on a mission that his father had sent him on, and he was being obedient to do that. He understood that Saul was the king, uh, and he would wait until he was given permission to go up against the giant. He understood how to honor authority. When we honor is the gateway to God's favor manifesting in our lives. And my prayer is that God will return to the church, uh, the, the, the spirit of honor that we honor those who are serving. I honor you as pastors. I honor you as leaders in the work of the kingdom. When we honor one another and we esteem one another in the work of the kingdom, it causes more of God's grace, more of God's favor, more of God's power and anointing to rest upon our lives. We need to have that spirit of honor that is among us on the ministry teams in your ministry, on the places that you serve. Honor those that God has placed in your midst and recognize that there's an anointing upon them to do what God has called them to do. And that will keep us connected in the sh to that sure peg. It'll keep us connected in the right way in fellowship with Jesus so that we're walking in obedience so that everything that we build, it will continue to stand for the generations. Amen. Another thing that I really believe that God is restoring in our stewardship is the father heart of God. Hallelujah. And that's what it says about this Eliakim. It says they will hang on him. Verse number 23, it says, I will fasten him as a peg in a secure place, and he will, be, he will become a glorious throne to his father's house. They will hang on him all the glory of his father's house, the offspring and the posterity, all the vessels of small quantity from the cups and all the pictures, all the pictures. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, I, the peg that is fastened in the secure place will be removed. This was talking about Shebna that was removed. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, it says, for though we may have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet we have not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. There's a father heart that God is returning to the church. And when I say father, that doesn't leave the women out. This is a parenting authority role that God has given us to release people into their identity, to release them into their purpose, to release them into their anointing and their destiny. That's one of the things that I've been praying about as I go around the earth and um, do the things that God has called me to do is, Lord, I want to see more of your father heart return to the church. Because we can become so adept at our teaching and putting together all kind of sermon series and outlines and we expect people to kind of catch it through the teaching but we don't build deep and affectionate relationships with one another. It is very important that there's a, a, a father heart that returns uh, to the work of the ministry. Uh, and, and it talks about Eliakim and his stewardship, that he had this ability to bring this father heart to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and Judea. In other words, in his place of stewardship, in his place of influence, he brought forth a fathering anointing. He brought forth this parenting anointing that was able to help the next generation to move into the fullness of their purpose. 
And I really believe that the Lord is calling us in our stewardship. If we're going to be faithful stewards, that part of that faithfulness is that we manifest that fathering anointing in the church, in the body of Christ again. To do that requires sacrifice. It requires us to get, kind of get away from our office, away from our computer, so, away from the things that we've become accustomed to, some of that order <laughs> that has become an impediment to the free-flowing of God's grace and the free-flowing of the Holy Spirit through our lives because it flows through us to people. Amen. That's why God called us. He called us to minister to people. And many times we can get so caught up in the system of what we're doing that we can kind of step back from the people and we're no longer allowing our hearts to be totally involved in the work uh, and, and there's not a release of the fullness of God's anointing and power and gifting through us because we've become adept at teaching but we have not become adept at parenting and as, at fathering. And so I really believe that God is calling us back to that place of fathering. I remember, and I'm going to stop in a, in, a, in a few minutes. I have a, a dear friend that's going to finish the message, and I'm really excited to see you here, Sean. Uh, but I remember I was in Romania a number of years ago, and we were ministering in uh, Constanza, uh, the second largest city there. And I was at a church, and they brought a guy in that was demon-possessed, um, I had ministered at a church uh, about 35 kilometers from there in the morning service at a different church in the evening time. I was speaking at a different church uh, in Constanza, and um, I was praying for people, and God was moving powerfully, and there were prophetic words that were given. There were healings and miracles that were happening, and all of a sudden, the, the back of the church opened. There was about maybe three or 400 people there, um, and they brought this guy in. There were two people holding his upper torso two people holding his legs, and he was flailing around, making all kind of animal sounds. And they brought the guy all the way up to the front. I'm standing up at the front at the altar praying for people, and they brought him up and, and laid him on the floor and stepped back. <laughs> and I'm like, um, you know, I got a prayer line going here, you know. <laughs> they said, it was actually, actually it was a couple of pastors that, had heard me speak at the other church, and they had encountered this guy in the street and tried to cast the devil out of him, and they said he wouldn't come out. And we heard you talking about spiritual authority at the other church, so we thought we'd bring him over here uh, because you sound like you know what you're talking about. <laughs> and I said, well, okay. So the guy was writhing around like a serpent, making all these hissing sounds and stuff, and by this time my prayer line had evaporated, <laughs> people had moved back and given him his space and I'm sitting there and I just kind of prayed in the spirit and I said now Lord I know you want to set the man free but you know how you want to do this now I mean I could have just charged in and start binding and loosening you know because you know we can we can open and close in the name of Jesus you know but I said I want to get a word from God you know it's always good to get a word from God amen <laughs> and to move in revelation and not in inspiration and sweat, because, you know, if you're just moving in sweat, you can be sweating a long time. <laughs> and so I was praying, and all of a sudden, in my spirit, I heard the voice of one of my mentors that I've respected in ministry, has known me for almost 40 years. Um, and, and I grew up in a church that moved in deliverance kind of ministry um, and and 
I was taught on these things, and I heard the voice of my mentor say, there's two spirits in manifestation here. There's a spirit of insanity and a spirit of fear. And I knew it was the Holy Spirit, but it sounded like the voice of one of my mentors. I was like, what? And I was like, wow. I said, okay. He said, bind the spirit of fear because that's the strong man. Cast out the spirit of insanity and he'll be free. And it sounded, I'm standing in Romania, but I'm hearing in the voice in my mind, the voice of one of my mentors that I've known for many, many years. And I said, I said, okay, Lord, that's what I'll do. And so I did that. I said, I didn't shout and jump up and down. I just very quietly just said, spirit of fear, bind you. Spirit of insanity, loose this man and let him go. All of a sudden, the man stopped writhing around on the floor. He looked up at me. And I said, yeah, you're free. You can get up. And on his own, he got up. His hands went straight in the air, and he began to glorify God. Now, that don't make me an expert on casting out demons. <laughs> it was the authority of God. But I had a mentor that worked with me, fathered me in the things of the Spirit, God wants us to have a fathering heart and mentality for our people and not just expect them to catch it in the teaching, but we need to show them, we need to walk with them, we need to work with them so that they are able to walk in the fullness of God's call on their life. That man got baptized. <laughs> we took him down to the Black Sea. <laughs> and he was baptized at about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning in that cold water. I was like, I said, I ain't going out there. <laughs> I said, Pastor, he's all yours. <laughs> I'm standing up here, and I'll clap and sing, and I'll dance if you want me to. <laughs> but I ain't getting in that cold water. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and they took the brother out there, shining the headlights on the water, and baptized him in the Black Sea, and God delivered him, set him free. He went to Bible college. He's now serving in a church there in Romania. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> we need to have that kind of impact on the people that we serve. Not that they just might remember one or two points from a sermon, but we've actually walked them through the kingdom dynamic to know how to release people and to set them free so that they're able to walk out their God-given destiny and purpose and call for ministry. May the Lord help us to continue to make a difference as stewards of the mysteries of the kingdom of God. This is what God has called us to.